the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Season Watch with Wendy Scott, where we observe the things coming on the earth through biblical binoculars, because the Bible is both timely and timeless. With her master's degree in rhetoric and writing skills, Wendy is a part-time college professor, but a full-time truth professor. She believes the Word of God is His perfect revelation, including a young earth six-day creation, as well as the global flood inundation, and that Israel is God's chosen nation. Faith alone in Jesus is salvation. The true church rapture comes pre-tribulation, followed by Christ's millennial domination and His eternal kingdom with Earth's regeneration. Jesus is coming without hesitation. And now, here's Wendy with today's topic. Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me again with Season Watch. And we're going to start with prayer. Jesus, thank you so much for um, a beautiful summer. I know some people are having um, some difficult weather, and we pray against that, Lord. We pray that you bring cool breezes and beautiful days and that you bring opportunities for us to share your goodness and your beauty with the people in our lives. And the days are short. We want to build relationships with them, and we want to see fruit from our faithfulness, God. So help us to engender relationships and be a blessing and draw people to you through their light, through your light in us. And so we just give you all our hopes and concerns and dreams in Jesus' name. Amen. And friends, this is a good time to really try to engender those relationships. I was just talking with the producer about that. And and our hope is that those who are not following Jesus yet will just enjoy us and want what we have, as they say. And so we got to pray to build those up. I also want to urge you to go back and listen to my earlier episodes of Season Watch. If you haven't been listening from the beginning, I actually do several series on different topics and particularly related to the times that we're in, right? Season Watch, watching for the times and the signs of the times, and then uh, how they point to the labor pains of the last days that Jesus and Paul warned about. And so if you can hear the earlier podcasts on my Season Watch page with kprz.com, or you can go to my Rumble channel, which is Wendy's Words for Him Radio. I have three channels there, Wendy's Words for Him Radio, and you can uh, listen to all the previous episodes. And I suggest you go as far back as my first episode, which aired on Constitution Day, which is really great for me. And this is a show that launched um, by discussing the gift of America to the world as an agent for freedom, and that was something that God used America for. And then from there, we identified the accelerated corruption of the constitutional rights, and we can see how current events rapidly are working together to create, ultimately, a one-world government and a one-world religion that's setting up the beast system, which is described in Revelation and elsewhere, and uh, preparing to usher in the Antichrist. I mean, Jesus prophesied it. We shouldn't consider it a conspiracy theory. It's it's going to happen. It's in the Bible. So from there, you can find episodes that look at biblical description of the rapture of the church, the timing, and, and just all of the promises concerning the rapture and the last days for believers before the tribulation. And then warnings not to fall asleep or be asleep to all the prophetic signs that Jesus gave us as evidence to be aware of for the last days. And 
I also discuss the beautiful and complex identity of Jesus as our Savior. That's when we're going through Christmas time. And I detail prophecies that are often not discussed concerning Jesus, Yeshua, the promises of the Messiah, and how amazing he is, how many things he fulfilled. It's really incredible. So I urge you to listen to those again. And, of course, we always discuss the significance of Israel in God's prophetic plan. And, of course, we want to always pray for Israel and Jerusalem and that he sprinkles the land. And he is sprinkling the land, particularly the more secular Jews um, are hearing and listening to discussions about Yeshua. They're actually more welcoming, even as the Orthodox Jews are getting more and more um, against uh, hearing about Yeshua and actually protesting it. So we've got a lot going on. And then in this current series on spiritual warfare, I've made references to how current events reveal the last day's prophecies. But in earlier episodes, I go into a lot greater detail. And you'll probably find that pretty interesting, including audio clips uh, from various actors. And I believe that's uh, going to be those episodes that will be very beneficial. We're still keeping an eye on all the major players from the World Economic Forum, the United Nations, the WHO, and many other specific organizations and people. And in case you didn't know it, friends, the elite leaders of the world have been conspiring to subdue and kill us, take our assets, lock us into global surveillance, a global governance system, digital currency that they can track and turn off. And uh, they're not really hiding it. It is not a secret, and they're actually doing it. So you definitely want to be uh, on God's prophetic timeline. And that's why we must know our assignments during this time and to take our eyes off the everyday plans and concerns of this world as if they're going to go on forever. We have to shift our thinking and be ready to have that footing, that spiritual warfare footing, to be the watchman on the wall, alerting those around us to the truth, sharing the gospel, and trying to bring as many to Jesus as we can before we go, right? Because nothing else matters. The lifeboat Uh, from the world is casting off soon. So don't get stuck on this sinking ship, right? And this is why we've been discussing how to be effective for the kingdom before we go, because there's a lot of room in that lifeboat. And if we do our assignments and don't get distracted, Jesus will use us to guide people to him, to that lifeboat. And so friends, fasten your truth belts as today we discuss preparing for spiritual battle, deceitful kisses and wounds of betrayal. And the last episode, we talked about healing from wounds of a friend. And we described how even though people may really love us and care about us, we are all flawed and still growing. So we have to learn how to negotiate these problems without taking each other out of the real battle, which is against Satan and to win souls, right? Otherwise, we end up helping the enemy with his destructive work. Uh, What's that old saying? That unbelievers cast stones at Christians, and then the Christians pick them up and throw them at each other. It's true, right? Have you noticed? That's the bait of Satan. We don't want to take his bait. He is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us to each other and to God and to ourselves. He's just terrible. Stop listening to him. And then he baits us into fighting against our own team and destabilizes our spiritual power in the Lord. And we get our feelings hurt or we suffer injustice at the hand of someone who really is on our side, but maybe had a selfish streak like we all do, right? And so God's word helps us to diagnose and prescribe how to handle these things, right? Corinthians 13 reminds us, verse 4, love is patient and is kind. And then love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
And so we're reminded that people do fail and we're all growing. And while we must strive to be patient and kind, when we believe that someone who loves us is being unkind, we must first believe that they don't really mean it the way we think, that it's perhaps our pride and that we must humble ourselves to work it out. And of course, we kind of hurt each other. If, if I say something that is a sting to somebody else, you know, the natural thing is to sting me back, to kind of back me off of something that maybe they have pride about. That's what we just do. And we, we can't exchange these stings anymore. We have to call a truce, right? And even well-meaning humans with each other, there's going to be disputes. And Proverbs 13.10 explains what those disputes are about. It says, only by pride comes contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom, right? And that's what we want to do. And you see this converse, the converse of pride and contention is wisdom, right? To be slow to speak, quick to listen, and to speak peaceably, right? And so even well-meaning good believers have different views, and maybe that's good at times, right? Maybe God wants to do two things, or maybe they're a little right and a little wrong, and we just need to practice our training, right? We get this from the Word. Jesus prescribed how to handle such a situation when it happens in the church, right? Matthew eighteen fifteen. Moreover, brethren, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. If he will not hear you, take with you one or two more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses even to hear the church, let him be to you like a heathen and a tax collector. That's pretty bad. And there's a progression there to believe the best of somebody who seems to be a friend or a part of the church, and then to go through the process of um, reconciling. And then God, Jesus says, after that, if they refuse, then they, they can't be dealt with. And so you can separate from them. We'll see that later from Paul. And we realize that only pride creates contention. And when well-meaning people cannot speak in peace, it's because of pride. And the hardest thing to admit is that this includes us. And so Satan wants to separate every good thing that God has sanctioned, right? He, he likes to separate churches and ministries, families, marriages specifically. So guard your marriage, right? Guard your heart and be slow in responding to these stings. Nobody knows how to, how to sting us like uh, somebody we, we really, really love, and they have the goods on us. And so we have to be slow to respond to those wounds. And then uh, friends, of course, can wound us, right? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Well, maybe they're just trying to tell us the truth. And we have to figure that out, have discernment. And, of course, there's wounds in the workplace among coworkers and people that you think you're on the same team. And sometimes they say things and your pride's hurt or vice versa. And so there's all manner of relationships. Satan's after all of them. He doesn't want any of us to work together, especially if we represent Jesus to that other person. And so he's targeting them all. And in such circumstances, only apology can solve contention, right? We must assume our pride got in the way and humble ourselves in sincerity and pray that God also softens the heart of the other person. Definitely soften the target before you approach somebody in case both of you need to confess something. And so let God work on them. They'll listen to him, and then they won't even necessarily have to listen to you. He might completely change their heart before you go talk to them. And so we trust God to do this spiritual work for us and prepare the way, and we do it. We let him fight for us, right? And time and again, our best ointment for healing offense between family and friends is our own apology 
to the other person, right? And to be the first. Be What can you lose? Humble yourself, right? And we must be willing to have an honest conversation with people who we believe deep down are trustworthy in the church, in the ministry, in the workplace, and friends, especially spouses, which is actually the foundation of God's family. And so we need to sincerely ask God to search our hearts and reveal the problem, sincerely take responsibility for our part. Just let it go. I'm not surprised I was a jerk. What was I thinking? Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm like that sometimes. Just admit it and have an honest conversation with the other party. Build them up and restore the relationship. And don't expect them to be where you are yet, but trust the Lord to get them there. We can only do our part and trust God with the rest. Recognize that there is more than one right in many situations and and ask God to fill you with peace, to help you heal, and to understand. And when this happens, a true believer would welcome repairing the rift, right? And if that other believer is not mature enough to meet together and mend the offense, then that does not excuse us from forgiving them and cleansing our hearts from bitterness, from trusting God for the rest, and moving forward in our walk healed in heart. We must take on that on, right? Because you have to quickly dress the wound and get back in the battle, the real battle um, against spiritual darkness, not against each other. And so the wounds of a friend require humility, discernment, and forgiveness. But there's also times when we receive deceitful kisses that bring wounds of betrayal. And in such a case, spiritual discernment may prompt a different response. Jesus even warns in Matthew 7, 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you into pieces. And I tell you, I've seen this time and again. We have to have discernment when somebody is really misrepresenting themselves. They're really an enemy. And we have to be mindful how we... um, give our pearls to them, right, and have that wisdom. So there's an appropriate spiritual response to those wolves in sheep's clothing that come to kill, steal, and destroy, who show themselves to be friends but hide their motives to seek personal enrichment, right? Jesus, John, and Paul recognized that there would be dissension and hypocrites and false believers in the church or among, quote, friends, right? And these are the most treacherous wounds because we trust them to be on the same team, but they're only scheming for themselves. Such friends can get close and have access to us. And while we think they stand with us, they're really ready to stab us in the back if it serves them. And the hardest part about discerning their motives is that they often themselves don't know their own motives, right? Hidden beneath the surface, they enjoy being seen as believers or friendly or a certain way. But then they can turn suddenly at some perceived threat to them or some perceived opportunity. And so they may not even know their own hearts until we see it, until it's revealed, right? And Jesus himself encountered these wolves in sheep's clothing. And the most infamous betrayal, as we know, is Judas, of whom it was prophesied in Psalm 41.9. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. And that's devastating. When we experience this, when we have somebody betray us who we really trusted, um, it's crushing, really. And it can take us out. It can take us out of our ministry, especially if it's someone connected to the church. We're offended and wounded, and we feel an injustice has happened, and it knocks us off of our assignment. And we can't let that happen. And Jesus pointed out that the sting of such treachery is in Luke twenty two forty eight when he said, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? 
I mean, look at the irony of that, right? Using your relationship with me to betray me. You're so close to me, you can betray me easily. And so uh, Jesus suffered betrayal of the worst kind. Yet we must remember that God not only permitted it, but he actually used the betrayal for his whole plan of redemption. And we have to hold on to that, that it's all in his hands. Whatever happens is God approved, God ordained, and he will turn it to good. What Satan means for evil, God will turn to good. And he ninjas out of it, and he actually makes it a benefit. Isn't it interesting that Paul reveals in 1 Corinthians 2.7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Can you imagine that? God had to hide and allow the enemy to betray Jesus to fulfill the very plan that God had all along. Because if the enemy knew that that was the trap, he wouldn't have stepped into it. You use the enemy against themselves, right? Um, and so, in fact, Satan was the first traitor, and he refused the glory of being one of God's most beautiful, powerful, and trusted cherubim, instead claiming in his heart, I will exalt my throne and be like the Most High, right? And that was his betrayal. He didn't even appreciate what God had given him and blessed him with and honored him with, making him, giving him such a high position. He said, no, I want to be like the most, I want my throne above all. And so he was cast down. And and that's really how we set up where we are now, isn't it? And so yet God will avenge in his time after his purposes are served. And we always must apply that not only to the grand scheme of things, but to our lives that he has a plan and a purpose always and Jesus even calls out those who represented themselves as followers of God, but were really self-serving opportunists, as we know from the Pharisees and Sadducees. So we see this in Matthew 23. By the way, read those woes. They're pretty good. I'm just going to start at verse 27 when he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you're like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside... You are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Even so, you're um, as serpents, brood of vipers. How can you escape the condemnation of hell? And they won't. Nobody will unless they give their hearts to Jesus fully. And so God will straighten it all out. And although he called them out, Jesus did not resist the Pharisees when they came to arrest him and to submit him for crucifixion. He trusted God and submitted to God's plan. And because of the things he suffered, the Father has delivered all judgment to the Son. So he actually gets to judge the very people who betrayed him. And we can trust him. Paul also addresses disputers and dissenters from supposed brethren in the church in 1 Timothy 6.3. If anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness— He is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which every envy, strife, reviling, evil, suspicious, useless wranglings of men, corrupt in mind and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, 
And so we're not to be like them. We're not to, we're supposed to recognize them, right? Be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. And that's what we're called to do. Even if we're sheep among wolves, we must use our discernment, recognize, and to behave accordingly, but do not return evil for evil, right? John also talked about the hypocrites in the church so they could derail it. Those can bring many offenses cloaked in sincerity, but they're full of lies, right? First uh, John 2.18, he says, Little children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that the coming Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, by which we know that it's the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that none of them were of us. And so there are treacherous people that come into the church, and that's Satan's design also. He wants to stumble us. And so when we allow ourselves to be hurt or trapped and blame God or blame the church or take ourselves out of ministry because of some injustice, we blame the wrong entity. We don't want to blame God. We don't want to hold it against God. We don't want to hold it against the church. We want to recognize that Satan has come in, and he's trying to inflict wounds wherever he can. And so we must come into obedience to God. And even if we suffer hands of supposed brethren, just as Jesus did, they are not the true church. The true church follows Jesus' teaching, right, or can be restored or can be guided. They can be told how to follow Jesus, right? And so there are many people who want to enter the church in order to serve their own purpose, and they may bring treachery that wounds us, but we have to have discernment and not tolerate those who stir up strife, division, and accusations. Satan plants false people in the church and creates havoc and then accuses those who won't tolerate them as not being loving. Isn't that how he is? He's like, you won't tolerate me? You're not very loving. And then we like back down and let them continue to wreak havoc in the church. We can't do that. And we can't let people in our lives who are there for the purpose of tearing down things of God. And so we must have that discernment and not let Satan use our own faith against us. Jesus said we'll know them by their fruit. And so we must pay attention to them. So when their true nature is revealed, prayerfully seek God's wisdom for dealing with a viper, whether in your church or family or workplace. Sometimes God will reveal such things to others, and sometimes he will merely give you wisdom concerning how to handle them. So maybe everybody else will see what you're seeing, and then you can handle it together. Sometimes only you can see it, and you have to have discernment and how to move forward, how to deal with that person, especially maybe it's somebody you can't get away from, and then you have to have that wisdom on how to deal with them and still have integrity and still be above board. And we must seek guidance and not out act out of our woundedness, right? James warns the church against getting caught up in self-serving disputes, and he says in uh, 3.13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking are, confusion and every evil worker there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace 
by those who make peace. And let that be us. Let that be us. Give us wisdom, Lord, how to proceed forward. And God will not let betrayal stand unpunished. Justice will prevail if we are patient, we keep our integrity. We don't fight evil with evil, but instead fight evil with good. Don't fight for ourselves, but pray for guidance from God. Let God do the fighting. He promises to turn all to good if we do. For those who wait on him shall not be ashamed, and God will reward us. And for faithfulness, he will reward us for letting him do it. And so we must not lose heart or get derailed in the wounds of offense or injustice, whether from the world or from those that we trust, or from hypocrites, wolves in sheep's clothing. God has a good plan. He's allowed it, and he will restore it and turn it to good. And although we don't always see why, God has given us the first aid kit on how to dress those wounds and continue in our assignment through praise and worship, fervent prayer, and the word of his instructions, spiritual principles and promises. We must hang on to these. As soon as we're wounded, go to him and praise and worship. Seek his face. Enter into the, his presence. And then prayer Pray for guidance, for God to work on the other person, and pray for uh, discernment, and then use the word to help dress our wounds. And some of these promises cannot be overlooked, right? Trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and depart from evil. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And we know that all things work to good for those who uh, rely on God and are called by his purposes and therefore humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. And so we must remember to trust him, to turn all of our concerns, our wounds over to him. Don't let them derail us from our assignment and be sure we come even closer to him. We'll walk in a victory that we'll never had before. And until next time, God bless you all. Join Wendy Scott every Saturday at 3 p.m. on K-Praise for another episode of Season Watch. Previous episodes can be found through the K-Praise podcast platform, where you can also access Wendy's other platforms and contact links. Please email Wendy with show comments, questions, or suggestions at wscott at mywordsforhim.com or visit her website at mywordsforhim.com for additional resources. Watch other teachings on her Rumble channel. Wendy's Words for Him, her fiction novel, The Lost, A Story of Christmas, can be found on Amazon. Until next week, watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.